0: All right. All right. It's good to uh, again be here with you guys today. So just to introduce myself in case you guys don't know who I am. uh, I'm Chris Athey. Me and my wife, Felicia, we head up and lead the uh, outreach and missions department here at Journey Church. Uh, And I, I thought it was important to share that is because sometimes we have three services and we have new faces and sometimes we kind of lose track of of who is who. And so I just kind of really wanted to get ahead of you seeing a new face up here, not being uh, Pastor Sean or Pastor Aaron uh, before you start heading for the exits that uh, (laughs) uh, I wanted to get ahead of that. And if I'm looking around right now and I'm looking, if two people are looking at each other, they're having the debate, are you going to get up first or am I going to get up first? So I don't see that, so that's a good sign. Uh, but we're going to go in and continue on this sermon series of, of seeds. And, and I'll tell you that um, I really felt that God planted, uh, no pun intended, a, a seed in my heart, and, which is a word. And that word was desperation. And so I began to pray about that and, and seek God's face and uh, really just to introduce that subject I think it's only appropriate to kind of speak to a point of desperation that I have experienced in my life. I'm sure if I went around the room today and I asked the question, you know, who all at some point in their life maybe found themselves in a desperate situation or, you know, a desperate circumstance that they just, you know, uh, it just really stuck out to them and really made an impact on their life. And so when we're talking about desperation, I I think of this story of, of our son Jonah. Now, uh, this was probably close to a decade ago, but Jonah had went to an event with a group that they went out to a corn maze here in Liberty, and the corn maze, you know, had a, a number of young people and parents and all that, and so we went out there to participate, and, you know, we're going to give the, the, the young people an opportunity just to go and join the corn maze on themselves, and so they all, you know, rushed to the corn maze, and And, of course, you know, over time, us and the parents are just congregating and talking. And over time, you know, slowly, one by one, the kids come out come out. And a period of time had passed, and Jonah still hadn't come out. And so we started counting all the kids. And all the other young people had come out except for Jonah. And so I'll be honest with you, there was a a bit of anxiety and a a bit of of desperation of, okay, I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be okay. But the more I thought about it, because again, this is an extremely large corn maze. And if you know my son Jonah, there is no telling. Truth, truth be told, he could be at Canada by now for all we know. <laughs> and so what we did is we created a search party. Of all the parents that were there, I'm like, okay, well, you go on this side. I'll go on this side. And, and so we went out together. And... You know, of course, there's different paths that you can take. So we had a quite a collection of parents that went through there, and going through the whole thing. And of course, I started to get a little more worried when I was running into the other parents. So they had come in this side. I had come in this side, and and I, and I was I was getting concerned. Of course, you know, we're talking about not only thirty minutes, forty five minutes an hour. We're looking for Jonah. And so then at some point. I'm probably about 20 yards behind someone in the corn maze that's there for participating in the corn maze. Mind you, we're not the only ones there, so that we're having to duck and dodge different people that are going through the corn maze. And so, about 20 yards ahead of me, I hear a girl scream Ah! What Jonah had done as removed himself from the path and was just scaring people as they came by. And so needless to say, I I went up there and I was like, Jonah, we are so worried about you. We've been looking at for you for hours. So anyway, we we ushered him out, you know, just to make sure that he got out safe. But as comical as that story is, sometimes desperate situations can bring us closer to God. And the truth is that happened on that day because as we're walking Jonah out, I'm praying in advance for God to forgive me for what I'm going to do to him. But again, in in all seriousness, desperate situations can create an environment that draws us closer to God. And this is where I felt perhaps that God was leading me to talk about in this subject. And so as I went through this, I I did have a a little concern about the process of how all this was going to come together because normally what happens is I try and share what God has laid on my heart a certain number of times a year. And, and I'll go to Pastor Sean and I'll say, hey, I feel like God has laid something on my heart. And so when God planted this word desperation in my heart, I went to Pastor Sean and I said, hey, uh, I think God has laid something on my heart. And so we, we scheduled some dates, but I'll be honest with you. I got to a week and a half ago and what I had so far was one word, desperation. So I was getting a little desperate myself, so what I did is I dug into the Word of God because we've been going through, again, the sermon series, Seeds, and I went to the, the different parables, the sower of the seed and all that stuff. And so God brought me, I felt, to the book of Matthew in the parable of the sheeps and the goats. And so let me just set the stage for the parable of the sheep and goats. So what it is is this is Jesus describing the final judgment of the world. And that he's looking at it from the lens of a shepherd and he's separating righteous sheep versus unrighteous goats. And that the way that he distinguishes on which side you are a sheep or a goat is dependent upon the sacrificial love that you show To others, And the Bible speaks to those others as the least of these. And so we're going to go into that passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 25, verse 35 and 40. For it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes or clothe you when did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you the king will reply truly i tell you whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me and so i think that that when i came across that parable which really speaks to us as individuals and believers and we are the righteous sheep, and so it speaks to almost a, an environment that God wants us to create as believers is to help those that are in need. And I was like, well, hey, this is perfect. You know, I'm talking about desperation. I'm talking about people that are in desperate circumstances helping those. And, and I thought it was too appropriate because with me and my wife leading the outreach and missions department, we encounter people that are desperate on a regular basis. And the ministries that we connect with They do just that. They help men and women in less fortunate situations. They help families and children and meet different needs all throughout the Kansas City as well as globally. And so I thought this was appropriate to kind of speak to that. But I'll tell you, I don't think it's appropriate for me to kind of really do that deep dive. So what I did is I brought in someone that I think could speak to it more on a firsthand basis. Now, one of the missions, one of the uh, ministries that we partner with is City Union Mission here in Kansas City, and they have such a broad reach of ministering to our local community here, and I brought in a friend of mine, Dan Doty. Dan Doty is the former executive director and CEO of City Union Mission, and he led that for many, many years, but just to highlight just some of the things that they do and how they impact and help those that are in desperate situations, let's watch this quick video. How long, I guess, if you had to sum it up, the number of years that you've actually served the Kansas City community as far as helping those uh, with this ministry?
1: Just over 42, Okay. 42 years, 28 as the CEO.
0: Only 42, only oh, 40. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it went by as As you know most people say, you know after it's all done, it went by so fast sure
0: well it's it's crazy because you know when I think of city union mission, uh it's a, a mission that we've partnered with here at Journey Church for a number of years we We provide financial support uh, we are very active in the different ministries, especially Camp Concito. We mm-hmm. normally have a group that goes down every year that participates. Uh, in that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really cool to see firsthand the work that, that you're doing. I was actually going on the website earlier today. And granted, I'm sure numbers change over time, you know, but there were some pretty uh, interesting numbers to speak to the volume that you help in the Kansas City market. Uh, what was that? I think 137,000 meals served, uh, 76,000 uh, nights that you provided for people that didn't have a place to sleep. Just, you know, your stretch is so far. Uh, I, I'm curious to, to know from, from your perspective, what, as you served for 42 years or so, what was the most impactful moments that you can remember or maybe, maybe what you missed now that you're out of that season? Uh, what are things that just you you think about when you think of city union mission
1: the, the changed lives you know I, we we finally started taking you know before and after pictures of some of the men and the women the families that would come in when they first came and and then when they left and you know not not everybody you know the, the mission isn't a hundred percent successful in, in you know turning everybody's life around but there are a lot of lives that are turned around and and so that, that was always my favorite thing, just to, because to, I, I got involved with the, the men and women. I did a, a monthly chapel service. I taught classes because I, I wanted to stay close to them. And so doing that allowed me to see the changes that took place in lives. And I started a Facebook group for the graduates of of the mission and I still keep in touch with a lot of them that way and nice. and just to see the change lives has made the most that was the greatest impact for me wow
0: Well, you know, obviously, you know, I'm talking kind of about, you know, meeting people at their point of desperation, and it's kind of in line of the the sermon series, you know, seeds, you know, and and I think back of all the seeds that you planted and the impact that you made uh, on the different lives and things like that. If we were to kind of reflect back and say, what would you love to see, you know, the mission you know, if you're looking forward 10, 15, 20 years down the road, what kind of impact do you see the mission potentially making for the kingdom of God?
1: Well, it, it has made a great impact uh, obviously with uh, you know the countless numbers of people over since 1924, the mission will be 100 years old wow. in uh, September of 2024. And so just a rough guess, and I won't add anything up or multiply anything right now, but, you know, it's, it's many hundreds of thousands of lives that have been impacted in some way in those 100 years. And just to, some of the greatest needs these days are, are for families. Um, the number of men kind of stabilizes to some degree, um, but the families just keep coming and coming, and there's not space enough in kansas city so i know the mission has been since my retirement has been working and before my retirement we were working on finding a a place to um, add more space for families and that's one of the greatest needs that's still around
0: sure well i think that when you look at just the 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 stretch that city union mission has had it's been interesting like even for us as we as Journey Church, like I said, participate and support the ministry. We've had people that attend here that have come to us yeah. and said when I was a kid yeah. I went to yeah. Camp Concedo. Yeah. And, and it's really cool just to kind of see the fruit yeah. that's been produced from the seeds that's been planted for the years and years of labor.
1: Yeah, I, that's, that was always my very <laughs> favorite uh, thing to to see that the changed lives again and and you know, I've met uh, my my old dentist I used to I go to in more downtown Kansas City um, the person that did the uh, Cleaning of the teeth uh, grew up uh, Coming to the camp at, wow. at the mission and and just yeah, I meet people all the time that have that background
0: You know, so it's it's pretty cool to see you know God working through different ministries, but I, I really I would be remiss if I didn't stop to to say thank you, uh, because see it's your faithful giving, and it's your being willing to volunteer and lean into those opportunities that are created, uh, to to really be that hands and feet of Jesus. And so I, I want to you know praise you and thank you for for coming on with us and with those different partnerships and missions, really to meet those individuals. Uh, in those desperate circumstances, in those desperate situations. And I think the thing that stuck out to me most when when I talked to Dan, one was just how he spoke to still, as much as we've made an impact on the community, there's still a huge need. And so as believers, we need to remember that the job is not done. And that we need to be continue to be encouraged to, to reach out. And so with the different ministries that we have, again, I, I can't say enough about us being willing to give of ourselves to those that are in desperate situations. And so, again, he talked about how there's still a big need. But more importantly, in my relationship with Dan, the thing that I always thought that was so interesting and powerful all at the same time is that when, if you've ever received an email from Dan at the very bottom of his email will be a hyperlink. And in that hyperlink is his testimony. And I thought that was very interesting because you got to think about the platform that he's on and the impact that he's making and the different things that he's doing ministry-wise. But in light of all of that, he still hasn't forgot that he has a personal responsibility as an individual to be an ambassador for Christ. And so he took that opportunity to provide that hyperlink. And I asked him, I said, So how long has that link been on your email? And he says, Probably about 15 years. So think about that 15 years of emails that he sent. Think of the seeds that have been planted over that time. And so as I continue to pray about God, the direction for this sermon. I felt like I was on a pretty good path with this. I thought it fit. I thought it was appropriate. But I'll tell you that I felt God wanted me to go a little deeper. And I was struggling with direction on where to go from here. And I don't mean to steal a line from a famous country song, but I was praying, Jesus, you're going to have to take the wheel because I don't know where to go from here. And I felt like as I prayed and as I went... To the Word for direction, and just uh, slow or a, a small shameless plug. That's a pretty good approach, right? When you're looking for answers, to go to prayer in the Word. Again, that's a shameless plug. Little face trust steps. Um, that God directed me to two passages of Scripture, two stories of two men of God that were spoke to desperation. So we're going to pull that up real quick. The first one is uh, before we go to is Judges. Chapter 16, and this is the story of Samson. So let me set the table real quick for the story of Samson. I don't want to uh, take for granted that we all know the story of Samson. So Samson was a, a lad that had been blessed of God. Now, granted, if we take the story from, from ground zero, from the very beginning, Samson's mom was a peasant woman. And she was visited by an angel and told that she would conceive a son and that he would have a special calling of God on his life, that he would be uh, blessed with supernatural strength. But also in the process, that there was a vow, and there was a way that he was going to have to live to honor that vow to continue to have that anointing of God on his life. And one of those vows that was probably the most impactful was he was told to never have his hair cut or shaven. And so the story of Samson goes on to speak to uh, how he was born, and his main responsibility was to protect God's people from the Philistines. And so if you look at the different street, uh, uh, feats of strength that came forth with, with Samson, it's is, is spoken in the Bible how he killed a lion with his bare hands, ripping it apart, how he was responsible for uh, fighting and killing off 30 Philistines in a fit of rage, all with his bare hands. And then, of course, as his reputation grew and he became enemy number one for the Philistines, that they continued to put coups together to try and bring him down. And in one of those, he was attacked by a thousand Philistines and he killed and destroyed them all. Not him and his army, but him alone. Said they, that he took the jawbone of a donkey and destroyed all a thousand men, and so the one flaw that he had obviously was he got sweet. Man, I'm showing my age, and he got sweet on a uh, uh, Philistine woman, Delilah, and and revealed his secret to her, and of course she went back and told her people. They came and captured him, shaved his head as she you know, lulled him to sleep, came in while he was asleep, shaved his head, cut his, cut his hair, and captured him. And, of course, we find that what they did to him was put him in prison to grind a mill and gouged out his eyes. And so we're picking up the story. This is where we're at right now in Judges chapter 16, verse 28, where it says, Again, speaking of the Philistines, where they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can fill the pillars that support the temple. So that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please God, strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars of which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and left on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus, he killed many more when he died than when he lived. And so what we're seeing here is Samson is in a desperate situation. And in this desperate situation, what does he do? He prays unto God. And so the thing that I want to first speak to is this. Again, Samson prayed in desperation. And that's okay because even the Bible speaks... The importance of that's things that we should do as believers, Psalms chapter 120 and verse 1 says, I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I think if, if nothing else, one positive thing that we can pull out of that scripture and that is that God is still a God that answers prayer in your desperate situations. And as much as we might know that, I think that it's important that sometimes we're reminded of that. You look at the circumstances that we find with Samson here, he created that environment that he was in. It was his choices, it was his actions that put him in that desperate situation, but God still showed up. You may find yourself in situations today that you did and didn't cause. But let me tell you, God is still a God that will meet you at the point of your desperation because he is a faithful God and he loves us. And so I think that that's important that we remember in this situation. And and again, going back to we spoke before on almost like a corporate, a group about desperation, but now we're getting on how it relates specifically to each and every one of us as individuals. So here Samson is praying in desperation and then the next one I filled the passage of Scripture that God brought me to, was David. Now, if you spoke and look at the story of David again, just to set that table, David was anointed king as just a young lad. And Samuel came because he was directed by God, Samuel came to Jesse and said, hey, God has shown me that one of your kids is the next king. And so he lined up all of his boys. And Samuel went one by one by one by one and said, nope, none of these. Do you have any kids? And so think about it. David didn't even make the lineup when it came to, oh, well, uh, uh, there's got to be a special calling on him. But it was interesting to see how the anointing was on David's life and how when David came, Samuel said, yep, this is the one that God has anointed. And he went on to be the king of Judah and lead the Israel, uh, be the king of Israel for, for so long and made such an impactful uh, impact on so many uh, scriptures and so many biblical stories and all those different things. And so when we look at David, he was a shepherd, he was a king, He was a musician, and he was also a warrior because, again, he was the one that took up the stone with the sling and slew Goliath. And so you see all these incredible things that that David did, but we're going to pick up in Psalms chapter 63, verses 1 through 5, and it says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you, in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied with the richest of foods, with singing lips my mouth will praise you. And so as much as Samson came to God and prayed to God in desperation, here we see David coming from a point of desperation. And so I think the the biggest thing to note is just the environment that's created and the posture that David has that may be, inconsistent or contrary to how Samson operated. Was Samson a believer? Absolutely. If he would not have believed in God, if he didn't pray for him to give him strength and provide a way out of this desperate situation. But there was something different when you compare Samson and David. It's just how they carried themselves. I think about if I had to kind of come up with a phrase to describe David, it was as if he lived simply for the moment To be in the presence of God. And so when we talk about desperation, there's something to be said to going to God in desperation and coming from a point of desperation to where your heartbeat is just you are desperate for God. And the reason that I feel that that was so important in the direction that I felt God leading us is because as we go through this sermon series of seeds, I believe that God wants to plant a seed of desperation in each and every one of our hearts. And I believe as we as believers, we understand the value in going to God in desperation. But I think God wants to go a little bit further and take us to a point that we're operating from a point of desperation that we live out life in a way that goes so beyond just your everyday believer. It's kind of like looking at it from this perspective. God wants to be more than just an accessory to our outfit, but he wants to be part of our core and our DNA of who we are. And I think that sometimes this can even separate A believer from a disciple. Both of them are good. Both of them are positive. Both of them point to God. But there's something to say when we take that extra step to walk in to that deeper walk and that higher level that God wants us to operate in. And what happens when you do that is you no longer are reaching out to God in desperation because when situations hit you and face you, God is already there, and so you don't have to call on him. He's going to be there to walk through that situation with you because he is already there. And so when we come and we try to to provide distinction between going to God in desperation or operating from a point of desperation, I believe that that I've been there, and I can tell a, a very firsthand account of what that looks like. You know, I've gotten up here and I've, I've shared my testimony about the physical health issues that I've kind of run into, and I speak to that more of anything just to kind of speak and highlight God about how I continue to operate and, and speak out healing and operate in that victory, and this is not what I'm talking about at all, but can I tell you that, that me and my wife face desperate, desperate situations every day. And I think that I share that simply to show that I am trying to live out and be a very authentic Christian and believer. Because sometimes you get this persona that, oh, if you just believe in God, you won't have problems or troubles or struggles or things like that. But that's not true. God never said you wouldn't go through anything. He just said you wouldn't go through it alone. And so that's why it's important to operate from a place of desperation and with God. And so I remember it was probably a month or two ago that we're facing that desperate situation. And me and my wife were like, hey, how do we approach this? We're searching for answers. We're praying about this stuff. And, and so I'm just going through my normal Daily trust steps, my prayer time with God, my my uh, devotion, my fellowship, my relationship with Him, and so I'm praying in my office like I tend to do at the beginning of my day to start my day because my day just doesn't go right if I don't start it with prayer, and so I'm, I'm taking time to pray and I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure at that time I've, I've shared things and and uh, made prayer requests and things like that to God, but as I'm taking that time of daily devotion, I felt impressed for God to just Oh, my heart, you, you need to take some time to pray and fast. Now, granted, again, we're going through stuff, situations, but it wasn't as if I'm feeling led to pray and fast about a, a certain situation. And I, I share that because I want to make sure that it's clear. I don't pray and fast to force the hand of God. I pray and fast. I am sacrificing my fleshly desire to eat to get in line with his spirit so that I can see and hear what he wants me to see and hear. And so I did just that. I said, you know, okay, God, I feel led. And so I began to, to pray and fast. And about two or three days later, I began, God began to, to show me things. And it was kind of like a, a switch had flipped. And I began to see things. But the most powerful thing was I began to see things he had already showed me. I just didn't realize I couldn't see him anymore. You know, it's as if I was intentional to create an environment where I was desperate for God and God opened my eyes. And that's why it's so important that we create that environment that we're coming from desperation, we're living life from a, a desperate mindset, is because, why? Because there's things in your lives today that God wants to show you that you don't even realize you don't see anymore. There's victories that God wants you to walk in. He wants to show you, He wants to lead you and direct you in those paths. But we need to get to that point of being desperate for God so that we're operating from a point of desperation. And as I begin to pray and, and seek God's face, it, it's really interesting to see how God began to move in those circumstances of situation. Is because as I begin to see the things that I didn't realize I couldn't see anymore, can I tell you, hope began to grow in my heart. See, I quit praying in desperation for circumstances to get resolved and answers to be found. But I just was intentional to move over in line and be desperate for God. And hope was restored so that I could see the victory that God had already showed me. Did he come in and wipe out the situation? No, but let me tell you, I believe and have hope now that God is still on the throne and he's going to answer those prayers. And so I went into the the word of God again, and we see in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, where it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with the hope of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I began to pray and ask God, I said, God, what is the main message that you want me to deliver to the people today? And be Just to clarify that, God, what do you want them not to catch but to receive? Because, again, we're on seeds. What seed do you want to penetrate to fall on solid soil so that they can grow in that? And I feel like the phrase that God gave me is, God is wanting to bring revelation to your desperation, God is wanting to bring revelation to your desperation. And the reason I feel that that God gave it to me in that way is because we're all walking out our own walks of life. We're all on our own path, and I don't know exactly what God wants to show you. What he showed me was things that provided hope that now I can walk in joy and peace and trust in him and continue to live in that way but God may have something else special for you. And so as long as you have that posture, as long as you have that attitude and that mindset of God, I'm waking up today and I'm not going to wait for a situation for me to go to, des- to be desperate for you, but I'm going to make a decision to be desperate for you so that I create that environment so that you can show me and walk with me. And so as I begin to pray and, and ask God and say, God, Help me see exactly what you would want to say. And I think the message that I got was I, I just want them to have and receive this seed that's being planted with the right posture so that it takes root. Yeah. That's what I love so much about this sermon series of seeds is because, see, the, the, the bloom or the fruit or the blossom gets so much attention. But today is where the dirty work gets done. But it's through this process that we're able to see the fruit of what God wants to bring forth. And so I think it's interesting, as this scripture talked about, through the hope of the power of the Holy Spirit, I think that if we create that environment of desperation, that we start to see the fruits of the Spirit demonstrated in each and every one of our lives. Perhaps we even get to the point where we see the Spirit start to manifest in different ways that perhaps we've never experienced. And so I just encourage you today to lean into that mindset, to lean into that process, to know that God has not forgotten about me, that there is a level of desperation that needs to be applied to my life. Yeah, God will show up if you go to him in desperation, but more importantly, he is calling us to a posture of desperation so that he can walk in and through us each and every day. As the band... Comes back up. This is a weird weekend for me, just because I will admit, I'm an avid college football fan, okay? So, all the championship, you know, divisional championships are over, and, and granted, so I, I kind of felt lost yesterday. Now, granted, there is one game that's played that's played when no one else is playing, and it's the Army-Navy football game. I was waiting for someone to yell out, go Army beat Navy or go Navy beat Army, I don't know. Uh, but the thing that struck out to me or stuck out to me is, as I was watching the, the telecast just very briefly yesterday is the commentator made a comment that I thought was very interesting and profound all at the same time is he said, this is the one game that you can watch where everybody on the field is willing to die for everybody watching. That's pretty deep. Everybody on the field is willing to die for everybody watching. Well, my challenge to you today is to create an environment intentionally that you're desperate for God. But can I tell you, that God that I'm challenging you to be desperate for, we talk about Jesus Christ and everything that comes with him, he too was willing to die for you, but more importantly, he already did. Is in love, he took on the sins of the world so that we might have life and life more abundantly. So I wonder if we could just all stand as we enter into worship one more time. And I think my challenge to you is, as we go into worship, going back to how God is speaking to each and every one of us in our own personal way. Can I encourage you to maintain that posture? Again, seeds do nothing if it, does, if it, if it doesn't fall on the right soil. So you have an opportunity Right here in the next two or three minutes to determine what kind of soil that seed falls on. My challenge to you today is to let that seed of desperation fall on good soil and take root and begin to, roots begin to penetrate in your lives and in your hearts. And can I tell you that if you do that, the fruit that will be produced will be on your understanding that will be beyond your imagination because that's the way God operates. So as we enter to worship, that's what my prayer is, is that you take this time to say, God, speak to me. Help me see the things that I may not see anymore. Help me to be receptive, receive, not hear, be receptive, receive what your seed wants to be planted in my heart today. Let's worship one more time.